This is Nate Claiborne, and this is another episode of How to Read the Bible. I'm here today again, as always, with Benjamin Kant. How are we doing, Ben? Doing well, Nate. Looking forward to jumping into the end of Job here. It, we have come to the end after several, several weeks with uh, Job's friends talking about all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Guy shows up out of nowhere in chapter 33, I think, with Elihu, Elihu, depending mm-hmm. on how you want to say it. Um, <laughs> And now today we started Job 38. So we're going to spend some time today in Job 38. And then next week, we're going to talk about the rest of the end of Job. Just as we were talking before we started recording, there's just so much in here that it didn't seem like we could do it all mm-hmm. next week. But at least today, we have the uh, the place where God shows up to answer Job in Job 38. Mm-hmm. So looking at this chapter, Ben, what's uh, what's jumped out at you as you were reading through it? Yeah, well, Job is a, is in many ways a book about wisdom, but mm-hmm. one of the things it's wrestling with is what we've come to term in philosophy as the problem of evil. Yeah. Uh, that there cannot be a all good God and an all powerful or all controlling God, right? A God who is omnipotent and omnibenevolent, that those things can't be possible given that there's evil and suffering in the world. So if God was all good and all powerful, he would get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's either all-powerful, but not all-good. In other words, he's capricious and malicious, and he's okay with there being evil in the world. Or he is all-good, but not all-powerful, which means that he really, really wants to get rid of this, but he just can't. And so people have fallen off on both ends of that spectrum in various ways. Yeah. Um, I think of I think it was Rabbi Kushner, is it, that wrote, Why do good, bad things happen to good people? And he falls off on the side of you know, God doesn't want this to be the case, but it just is, and he can't, he can't really do anything about it. Yeah. Um, and so really, if you're left with, is God in charge or is he good? That's a really tough place to have to be yeah. to make a decision. Between and and if, you affirm, if you affirm both of them, it doesn't immediately resolve the issue because then you would have a good God who's in charge and there's still evil. So then you would ask, why evil? Which gets at, well, this is essentially what Job's question is. That's right. Was it, was it Euthyphro, the, the one that coined the phrase, when, whence cometh evil? Or was that a later philosopher? I think it, that sounds about right. I mean, yeah. technically Plato, but you Okay, know. sure. Uh, and so there's this is this problem that's existed for Christians for a long time. And let's just be honest. It's not a philosophical problem. It's a feel it in your bones and in your gut problem. Mm-hmm. When, when you feel the pain of, of suffering, emotional, physical, uh, when you see somebody you love and care about that's being eaten away by a disease over time, or when you feel the chronic pain of some sort of a disease or disorder, you're asking this question not for philosophical reasons, although that is part of it. You're asking it for existential reasons. What does this mean for my existence? Yeah. How do I bear this well? Yeah. And how do I keep worshiping a God who is allowing this to happen. Yeah. Now, I sometimes I, I tell students uh, when we do our section on apologetics, when we're talking about the problem of evil, most of the time people bring it up as a logical or a philosophical problem. And if we're being honest, it's not that difficult to solve the logical problem. Mm-hmm. You can lay everything out to where like, here's how it works logically. I'm and- actually under the impression Alvin Plantinga, a Christian philosopher, essentially put this to bed. Like, yeah. like truly thoughtful and, and philosophers, atheistic philosophers that are challenging the Christian faith, they don't use this as a challenge of the Christian faith anymore because right. it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. They, so they, they've shifted the argument to instead of a logical problem, an evidential problem, mm. um, which 
still can be defeated logically. But it, the essence would be, why is there so much evil? Mm-hmm. So, And then it gets into a probabilistic, given the amount of evil, it's unlikely God exists, mm-hmm. rather than a, because evil exists, God mm-hmm. can't be one of these attributes. Yeah. Um, but I just, I try to remind students that more often than not, when someone brings it up, it's very rarely a theoretical concern. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. couched as a theoretical concern, but there's usually a pastoral something has happened in their past or is currently happening to them, which is raising their questions. And it really does get at this very deep existential mm-hmm. aspect to it, which is kind of where Job is, which is why I think it's so valuable that we're going right. to look into it right now. Yeah. So if somebody comes to you and is like, hey, uh, this can't be both true, that God is all good and all powerful, all in control. Um the, the question I think you're saying is we want to ask, hey, where's your heart broken or breaking right now? Because mm-hmm. that's really probably where this is coming from. Um, in other words, you, gotta, you, you want to know what question you're answering, and it's probably not a philosophical one. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a I feel it in my gut question. Um, and, and so that's Job, right? Uh, Job has all of his children are dead. Uh, all of his wealth has been stolen from him. His body is covered in disease and sores. His wife has scorned him. All of his friends are saying that he must be some horrible, reprehensible human being. Otherwise, this couldn't possibly happen. He has lost almost everything. And so throughout this whole book, he's contending with God Most High. He's contending with the Almighty and basically barking up the tree. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's saying, I want, I want a fair trial. I yeah. want I want to get I want to plead my case face to face with God Almighty the one who made this happen and and I want to take this before his throne. Yeah. Well, and we we can even using that metaphor there's there's even maybe an idea that um given the mechanics of ancient near east worship he, Job would be assuming if he's done all the right sacrifices. I mean, we, we get that picture in chapter one where he prays for his children, where he's the priest of his family. Mm-hmm. And so if he's done all the right things, the God is supposed to return the favor. Mm-hmm. Like I've served the God faithfully. He should take care of me. Mm-hmm. And I, there's probably a sense in which Job is contending for the Almighty to come answer him, but mm-hmm. also even raising the question of, is the Almighty even really there? Mm-hmm. I've heard about this God. I've been serving him. Now this happened. Is he not able to? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why eventually at the end of the book, God shows up yeah. and answers him in a very direct sense, but maybe with not the best bedside manner, if we're being <laughs> honest, as we, right. we look at this guy who's been suffering. And then uh, right here in verse one, the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. I mean, we, I lived in Texas for four years. Tornadoes are nothing to joke about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's essentially God shows up in a tornado. God mm-hmm. shows up in a hurricane. I mean, we very powerful force of nature that you yeah. cannot contain and says, who is it that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Who's this ignorant person asking questions? Mm-hmm. God says mm-hmm. when he shows up and we're like, that's not how you talk to someone who's hurting. That's right. Hurting at a level of magnitude that few of us have ever known. Yeah. Uh, and, and especially because as you said it, in that place of suffering, people are asking two questions. Is God even there? And if he is, does God even care? Mm-hmm. Right. Those are kind of the, yeah. the questions we're asking. And and I've often thought it to be really helpful to have kind of three categories of answer to those questions. Um, and, and you and I have both been really influenced by a professor named John Frame, a theologian, a philosopher, and his what he calls triperspectivalism. In other words, all knowledge can be viewed from three different perspectives that are uh, that are all interchangeable and in, in, in a way um, one perspective, but but three at the same time. Very trinitarian. Yes. Uh, and and so I've thought about this problem of evil, 
and a and a theodicy, which is which is a defense of God in that way. It's a it's a an answer to the problem of evil, within those three perspectives. So uh, I'll make this more clear and kind of simple. What I mean by that is there's an existential perspective to this. There's a an inward feeling sense of me being as a human being. What do I personally feel about this question? And I think the answer to that one is. God knows your suffering. In fact, he's taken it on himself. Jesus became one of us. Jesus suffered in every way that we are. He was tempted in every way that we are. Even God the Father knows what it's like to lose someone he deeply loves, his own, his only begotten son, right? Mm-hmm. And so God feels with you. There's sympathy, there's empathy, there's compassion. That's the existential answer, I think, to the problem of suffering. You're not alone, Emmanuel, God with us. Then there's the situational, the outward. The, if, if the first one's the inward, this is the more outward perspective, which is that God is providentially in control of all things and, and at, that he is, as Paul tells us in Romans 8, working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so there's this sense of your suffering is not in vain. God is using it. He's working with it. He's drawing straight lines with crooked sticks. Uh, the way that jo- Joseph said it was what what you intended for evil, God intended for good. The way that Peter says it after Pentecost is, hey, the you all delivered him up to be crucified by lawless men, but God predestined, God foreordained, God intended, used this to bring about salvation for all people, speaking of Jesus' death on the cross, right? So you've got this inward answer of Emmanuel, God with us. You got this outward answer of God is in control and he's working this together for a good, for good ends. But what we get in Job is the upward perspective, which is God has authority. God has wisdom that you have no idea about. It's, it's when my son is running towards electrical outlets to stick things in them and I pick him up and he squeals in frustration and I pull him away and he has no idea why I could possibly be so vindictive (laughs) and menacing towards him. And it's like, well, you don't know uh, how voltage comes through those two little slits in the wall and how if you put a a metal device in there, it's not going to work out well for you right? because your father has authority and wisdom that you don't know. Mm -hmm. And so when God shows up and says, dress for action like a man, he's saying, grow up. (laughs) He's saying, hey, listen, maybe maybe there's some knowledge that you don't have. Maybe there's a perspective you're not aware of. And so he says, I will question you and you make it known to me. And then he goes on in the next few chapters to talk about some funny things, Nate. So like, what yeah. is he up to here? Yeah, no, as, if you, if you were to, um, I'm thinking of how people, uh, describe a movie badly. Like there's memes like that. Yeah. If you're talking about the end of Job, uh, describing it badly is Job goes through horrible suffering. God shows up and says, look at all the animals. That's right. End. Look and, at how they give birth. Yeah. It's just like, it's like the nature channel all of a sudden. It's like, yeah. this has nothing to do with what Job was complaining about. Like, it's a great uh, survey of the natural world, but it's uh-huh. like, man, if I, you would think it, I would think it pastoral malpra- malpractice yeah. if you went to go visit someone who was suffering and you open up National Geographic. You're like, you know, I was just reading in here and you give them all this like, you know, look at the elephants. Look at what they uh, That's right. like. Just go through and it's like, what are you doing, Ben? Like, yeah. why are you? That's not what this person needs. Yeah. And so in some sense it is like that. But I think the larger, as we sit in it and as we kind of finish it out this coming week, mm-hmm. God seems to be making a point about his providential care of creation. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that he was the one who created the world. The fact that he's the one who governs the world, that he cares for it, that he runs it a certain way. And the punchline ends up eventually being that Job is 
unable to understand how God created the world, unable to understand how he generally runs it, so probably not also able to understand exactly mm-hmm. what's going on right now in this moment. Mm. And there's a sense in which God is essentially asking, if you can understand all these things, then I can explain to you mm. what's going on. But you yeah. can't, and therefore I can't give you the full explanation. And mm. we as, I don't know if it's because we're Westerners or because we're Americans or if it's because we're just intellectual, mm. don't like the, I couldn't explain it to you because you wouldn't understand it. That's right. It feels like a cop-out. It feels like a, you're deferring because you don't want me to know. You're deferring because... You don't think I can handle it, but it may literally be a, you literally could not understand. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and with something that's been helpful for me in thinking about that is I, in some ways, I'm comfortable with God knowing things that I don't understand. And it, it feels to be an element of trust. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just going to assume God knows what's going on. And if God knows, I don't have to know, even if I would want to know. Yeah, there's a there's a pithy little saying that summarizes that it is, um, when I cannot trace his hand... I trust his heart. Yeah. In other words, when I don't know what he's up to, I have confidence in his goodness. Yeah. And the fact that he is for me in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So it's you, you've got that um, kind of going on here at the end. And I, I think, too, there's a sense in which um, as he lays out how he's doing things, uh, Job is able to see he can't really read between the lines. He mm. can't piece it all together yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it reminds me of a, um, it, I've never done one of these personally, but <laughs> cross-stitch pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're making it, it's just a bunch of strings all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, string coming out here, string coming out there. It just looks like a jumbled mess. Um, and in the process, it, it's not. there's no discernible pattern. And even mm-hmm. when you're looking at it from mm-hmm. the back, it, it's just all... The strings poking through, but then once it's done, you can flip it around and there's mm. a picture on the front. Mm-hmm. It makes total sense. Like, oh, you were making that. I understand now. And I think if we think of God as eternal and we think of how he's got plans going all the way forward to the second coming, mm-hmm. there may be a sense that God couldn't explain to me right now what's going on. Mm because there's just so much that hasn't happened yet that yeah. will make sense of it, mm. but I'm bound in time right now, and he's not and knows both my present, my future, and my past. Mm-hmm. And one day, my eyes will see, as Job says, at yeah. the end, and mm. it'll be a different story. But in the moment, that's not the case. Well, and I think that most of our listeners could say that at least these two things they've experienced to be true. One, pain narrows our vision. Right. Like I I remember in high school, I fell skateboarding and bruised my ribs. And every time I took a deep breath or laughed or coughed, my perspective on the world shrunk to the to the basically the width of my rib cage because I felt this twinge of pain immediately. And so pain narrows our horizons. And so what God is doing in one sense is broadening Job's horizon. Mm-hmm. Let me show you there's a bigger picture of what's going on in the world, and and it's not as narrow as your pain would lead you to believe. Yeah, That's the first thing. The second thing is, is that most of us who have been through suffering and have tried and have longed and have prayed to do it faithfully, to, to try to walk with Jesus, which, let's just be real, includes lament. That's a faithful, is a contending with God like Job or like Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why? Um uh, most of us would say that hindsight is 2020 in a way, 
Now, we don't always know everything God was up to, but we can say we can see some things he was up to that in the moment we had no idea of. Mm-hmm. And so I know seasons of suffering in my life where I would not exchange them. I'd also not want to go through them again, but I wouldn't trade them for a yeah. season of comfort and pleasure and, and re- leisure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because of the work that God did in me and in, through me in other people's lives that it was worth it. And so I think that that's a... That's somewhat of what we're getting here in Job. And, and, and that's significant. I mean, it says something to our, for our suffering. And, and we're going to look uh, at Job's response and kind of the closing next time that we talk about this. Yep. But I, I do think that that is worth uh, reflecting on, that this isn't so out of the, you know, this isn't so crazy after all. Mm-hmm. God, the way the Lord responds to Job may be just what he needs in this situation. Yeah. And I think we can, we can trust that if we're trusting God's wisdom in the general sense, we're trusting it in the moment of this is what this was the response Job needed. Yeah, he's been contending for the Almighty to show up and answer his questions, mm-hmm. and God shows up, but before he's going to answer any questions, he mm-hmm. needs to clarify some things. Mm-hmm. I've heard it said that when we're in suffering, it may be better to ask rather than why, ask where. Where are you in this, God? Um, and and I think Job's getting what he asked for all along, which was to face to face contend his case mm-hmm. and he's he's getting more he he bit off more than he could chew as yeah, we said he got more than he bargained for <laughs> that's right uh, but we'll look more into that next week as we kind of wrap up the end of job see get into some of the other things that god says and then get into how uh, it comes to an end in chapter 42 but it was good chatting with you today ben and we we'll look forward to next time yeah